Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And our guest today is Craig Richardville. He's SVP and chief information and digital officer at SCL Health. Welcome, Craig. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, a Twitter friend for a long time and finally in the flesh. Well, the Zoom flesh, is that what they call it these days? <laughs> so excited to have this conversation. But uh, for those that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and SCL Health. Yeah, sure. So uh, I am the Chief Information and Digital Officer at SCL Health, uh, as John mentioned. Uh, that had grown in the last uh, couple of years. So initially when I came in, I was the CIO. And then we realized that uh, in doing the kind of the assessment and the overview of SCL Health and going on a listing tour that we really didn't have much of a, uh, a presence in the digital space. So I reorganized, repurposed, partnered with our chief marketing officer and we created the digital space. And then shortly after that, the, uh, the board then also made me the chief digital officer. Prior to coming here, I was at uh, Carolina's healthcare system now called Atrium Health. And I was there for 20 years. Uh, wow. Very similar, grew into the CIO role there. And then uh, the last several years, we also then did the same thing with analytics. So we took analytics, uh, brought that under the scope of the CIO, and I became the CIAO. So commonly known <laughs> as CAO. And there weren't very many people, if any, in the country that actually had that title. And before that, I started my career at ProMedica Health System. Nice. Well, I think it's interesting that shift of perspective, right? I mean, when the CIO was first kind of instituted, it was keep the lights on, make the internet work, things like that, replace the desktops. But yeah, it seems like you've seen kind of that shift and been part of that to more digital and analytics, which it is interesting. Some move to the digital, some move to the analytics. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that shift and how different it is today versus when you started. Yeah, I would say, you know, we're kind of at uh, CIO 3.0. So the way I look at it is CIO 1.0, it's exactly what you talked about. Keep the lights on. You talked about data centers. You talked about networking. Yeah. You talked about devices. You talked about uptime. And it really, it was really looked at being very much of an expense. How do you control that expense uh, as opposed to an investment? We got into 2.0. That's when a lot of the applications came around. So the ERA Act certainly uh, helped us to accelerate the work to electronic medical records. We started taking a lot of things that were paper, putting them into an automated format. And so all that kind of happened. And now recently, now the 3.0, and to me, it's a kind of data digital. So now that we can produce data because of the application piece, what do you do with it? And also, how do you progress forward in the consumer space and look at the digital side of connecting? With that also comes kind of the new transformation within healthcare of the, the population health or value-based care. So that's all to me is kind of the uh, CIO 3.0. A lot of yeah. different definitions, a lot of different ways that, that different companies organize and put that work together, but that's how I see it. Yeah, I like it. That's a good description. Uh, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of CIO 2Os out there, so they, they need to, to buy the upgrade. But um, I think it's interesting, you know, one of the areas we want to focus on in, in this episode is, is really that you recently implemented uh, the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or better known as DAX, uh, the Nuance DAX product, uh, which I, I would describe as CIO 3.0, you know, if we use that t- terminology. But what was really the impetus? for this project and what's been the results? You know, that's a, it's a great question because when you look at 
the digital space, you know, we divide that up. I divide it up into four different circles. So one is the consumer space, which is that original attraction. Two is the patient space, where mm -hmm. is not already in your system. Three is the associate or caregiver space. What's, what do you do for your associates? And four is the provider space, though they're actually provisioning the healthcare piece. And that's where this comes into play. So how, what do we do to make life easier for our physicians who are actually doing the practicing and, and the quarterbacking of the healthcare industry? And part of that is to remove some of the administrative burden and to really kind of, a, I would say, accelerate, but optimize uh, some of the billing aspects and the clinical aspects that we are required to do from a regulatory perspective. So basically the DAX, the ambient technology, really takes the conversation, just like you and I are talking right now, It'll take that conversation, it'll interpret it, and it'll create a medical note for it. And with that medical note also comes the billing codes associated with that medical note. So it really re removes the, uh, the, the dictation aspect of it and have somebody to go ahead and have a, somebody scribing it or transcribing it for you and bringing that into play. So it's a time savers, it's, it's efficient, and really kind of ups the game when you look at the patient experience so that when he or she is in that patient room and you explain to them what you're doing and how you're doing it, it's the next level of maturity that people like to see. They like to work with people who are more progressive, more modern, uh, and that associates to a lower expense structure for the healthcare system, as well as improved and uh, increased outcomes. Yeah. So how broadly have you implemented DACs into your organization and kind of what does the rollout plan look like? Yeah, it's very much a dimmer switch and it really is by choice. It's not by, it's not a requirement. So from that standpoint, uh, we took a cohort of providers and we went through and tried to take a look at their different data that we have on them and try to figure out what is the really the, the, the persona of a provider where this would be advantageous to them. Those that are very efficient or effective in your EMR system and documentation and getting things through uh, the process, uh, in our case, it's, it's the Epic environment. Those aren't really on good canvas for this because they're already using the tool that was already purchased in order to be very efficient. But those that a little bit more, I won't say legacy-based, but are using the way that traditionally uh, it was practiced, people who are transcribing those kinds of notes. Those are things that we take a look at to see, is this an opportunity for you? With that also comes kind of a relief and work-life balance. So we also looked at the signal data that comes out of Epic and how many, how much of the provider time in Epic is actually spent after or before the work hours. We try to minimize the amount of impact on the personal life that they have. And then we went through and we found a 25 providers to be that way. We went through our process of slowly bringing them on board. Every one of them, it's a, it's a, no, it's a new experience, a new way of doing it. Yeah. So that through, and we hit about a 60% success rate. So 60% of all those providers wanted to proceed forward uh, with that after our, our initial pilot. And now we're working to what I would call as kind of an early adopter phase. So now we can be a lot more precise with who's coming in. We should have a higher hit ratio those that see benefit in this investment and then continue that throughout the organization. Interesting. And I think it's fascinating what you said as far as, you know, the, the users that maybe aren't the power EHR users, that that's a good fit because class in their arch collaborative research actually found that voice recognition alone was actually challenging for those people because they had problem customizing the EHR system. Well, they had problem customizing the voice recognition as well, but it sounds like the DAX product takes it that next level where there isn't all that extra customization and training 
training and obviously voice recognitions come a long way since the early days where there was a ton of training needed, but you know, is that what you're seeing? Is that the results or what's been the reaction of these, uh, you know, doctors that are using it? You know, it reminds me a little bit of the EMR in the early days. You know, mm. there were sometimes some complaints about the EMR, but if you said, I'm going to take it away, it's like, no, 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 don't take it away. <laughs> I want it to be better. This is the same phase. I mean, this is a very uh, innovative uh, new product technology into the market to help solve a business need. And it's one of those things that will continue to evolve over time. But when you look at the initial aspect of bringing that into the organization, there is a little bit of hesitancy, a little bit of, I'm not really sure what this is. In the simplest form, it really is a automated scribe. So where some people would have a scribe sitting in the background or sitting uh, in a cloud environment somewhere, listening to the conversation and typing up that note for them, this really is what that does. This does that interpretation. It's the machine that's performing that work. So it's artificial intelligence. Or in some cases, we just call it advanced intelligence because artificial kind of has a fake name to it. It really <laughs> is intelligence. So advanced intelligence, I think, is a preferred term. And that came from me from uh, Russ Branzell of Chime. And I've taken that from him. And I use that now in, in, in when I speak about this technology. It's advanced. And then it learns. So if they do have the provider that does come in and say, ah, you know, I really meant to say this, or it should have been interpreted as that, and they make those changes, the machine will know that. And so the next time they have a similar type of conversation, that now will be corrected. So it is a really one of the more advanced intelligence aspects of automating some of the administrative tasks of a provider. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of the patient. How does the Nuances DAX product, you know, improve the patient experience? And I mean, I, I think it's interesting, you know, telehealth has kind of made it normal for, our, you know, someone to listen in, right? So, you know, that used to be the complaint. Do they want to hear my whole visit? But now it's like, no, I mean, we do that on telehealth all day. But, you know, how, how has it impacted the patient experience? Well, from a patient experience perspective, you first obviously let them know, that this is being recorded and this is the you know kind of the next advancement or the step forward that we're doing in this type of relationship um, from a from a patient perspective there's nothing new there other than a device that's doing the recording but the advantage is really the experience for the patient so the provider now can look at the patient have the conversation uh, he or she doesn't have to be documenting on the system looking at things within the system uh, being you know, maybe with their side or their back to them, trying to do some documentation in real time. It truly is a, a nice experience, just like you and I are having this conversation. There's nothing more than that. It's really just having that. And so for, for you and me, it, it's, a, it's a great experience for the patient, the provider. It's an improved experience for the patient. They now can have the eye contact, the conversation, uh, those types of things that may not be as enhanced with the EMR in the, in the past, because you know, <clears throat> having that equipment in the room and that being a little yeah. bit of distraction and people turn around typing notes, doing things of that nature. Now it is that, it kind of removes that barrier and really kind of goes back to having a nice personal relationship. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Uh, some people are so buried in it. Uh, we actually switched pediatricians because of it. He was sitting there in the computer the whole time, which I obviously love EHR. <laughs> I would love to talk about it, but it just, it was like, you know, I don't want to see sit here while he sits there and documents. It didn't, you know, I didn't enjoy it. So we switched, which is interesting, right? Yeah. The evolution. So 
let's uh, you know talk a, a little bit uh, you know outside of ambient clinical voice which i think is a really exciting technology it'll be fun to catch up with you over time too and see how it evolves and how your organization adopts it but going beyond that uh, what are some of the maybe top three projects that you're working on in your organization yeah you know if i had to go ahead and list a few you know i think the first one for me is just ai and ml in general it's an overused term, but just like this, it is a, an example of things that we really want to progress and move forward with. We do it in other simple aspects of our life. And the simplest form is like your GPS in your car. Yeah, you that's true. As we're paying on using a map, and then we have the Garmin. Now we have the GPS, which actually then re-navigates me and reroutes me, pending the time of the day, the traffic patterns, things of that nature. It's learning as I'm driving along how to get from point A to point B. And without that, you know, we would go back to a very, uh, I'm lost or where I'm going, have a more inefficient way. So I think AI and ML has a very big uh, potential, very promising for us within healthcare is to let the data do the talking and let the data provide some direction for us to move forward with. Nice. Definitely, big one is consumerism. You know, we need to contact, um, attract, engage, and ultimately retain the patients. And bringing that into our environment so that the work that we do is kind of the rhythm of life. Going to a, a financial services example or retail example, you know, those, those clerical tasks that we used to do in the past, those are things of the past. And we need to bring that into healthcare and allow probably the most underutilized resource in healthcare is the patient. And allow the patient to have the tools and the techniques in their hand, in their pocket, on their phone, to allow them to do some of that uh, tasking from a day-to-day or every week or every month type process to get them engaged in the rhythm of life of what it is to be within healthcare. And really the other piece I would say uh, going along that is the whole digital revolution in healthcare in general. Mm -hmm. That's just a really big piece uh, that we need to continue to steal or imitate from other (laughs) and bring that in. And plus we have a lot that we're doing here that we can teach others as well. That's to me is is, is a big part of our future is that whole digital health and the digital engagement piece. Uh, the last thing I'll, I'll say is really the, um, uh, the value proposition of hmm. moving from volume to value. Uh-huh. Uh, we've talked about it for you know, a decade or two. It's always been kind of in the works. And I think the time is right is to take that word healthcare and split into two words. Historically, we, we've always focused on care for the most part. Somebody gets sick, we help fix you. But we didn't focus a lot on the health side. And I think to go at risk, to look at payers, patients, and providers, bring that three-legged stool together so that they're all engaged with focusing on health, how to prevent um, uh, a care incident from occurring or a, a incident from occurring, how to be proactive and uh, engaging and in, in becoming involved before something does get to a critical or a crisis point. And then when it does, certainly we focus on the healthcare piece. But I think the, the first part of healthcare is going to become more and more of what we want to do in the future. Yeah. So as I think just about, you know, of what we've talked about so far, you talked about four areas of impact that you could have, right? You talked about three major project areas and, uh, you know, I think a lot of CIOs look at that and say, that's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> and how do I, how do I approach innovation at my organization across all of these things? So what's your kind of strategy or process that you found effective when it comes to, uh, you know, innovation at your organization? You know, that's a great question. When, when, when I look at it, you know, that you can put them in different types of channels. I like looking at imitation, innovation, and invention. 
and they're really different. So the innovation piece is something that we all kind of term in, but invention is certainly very hard and difficult. And I think several um, uh, healthcare systems or technology companies, big tech giants are gonna bring some of that piece to us. Uh, and it'll be innovative for us, but you know, maybe not we're gonna invent it. And the other side of the spectrum is the imitation piece. That's mm -hmm. where we don't need to overthink it, over complex it, make it over engineer it. Things that we can imitate and bring into the industry or take from one healthcare system and provide it with another, let's bring that in. It may be new for our market, may not be new for another market, but in theory, it's innovative for where we are actually practicing or delivery, delivering. And so I think bringing those things together is a, is a, is a big piece of that. Plus, we're all experiencing is, uh, every aspect, especially on the provider and the delivery side, is the labor shortage. Yeah. Certainly in the tech world. So I, I think what we need to do is similar to cloud services of the past is as we started to get more comfortable with cloud, um, cloud is not a strategy in and, of, in and of itself. It's just a way to allow you to be more effective and more efficient with the limited dollars that you have. And those cloud services can certainly enhance that versus being the data center centric. And I think we need to be the same here. The things that we do that are more commodity based, the services that we provide that is not a differentiator, we need to move to manage services and look at partners to help us get through that, to allow us to have the intellectual capital and the time to be able to spend on some of the differentiated type work that we talked about with digital and data and consumerism and AI and ML. Those pieces we need to spend most of our time on, not on infrastructure and some of the backend components and continue that advance that into some of our services areas so that we can focus on things that'll make us, you know, different than our competitors, as well as just totally uplift the whole industry, just raise the bar. Yeah. Great description of, of the different types. I, I've never seen it framed that way. So that's really interesting. So, you know, as, as we wrap up here, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given as a CIO? You know, the best piece of advice for me or what I would advise others is just have fun, you know, to back to the point of sometimes it can seem overwhelming. It can seem uh, that it's too much. It's a lot. But the really, if you have fun, if you love the work and you love the impact that you're having, not necessarily always on the providers or on your company, but on our patients and consumers, you see the, uh -huh. the outcome or the, uh, the impact of the work that you're doing. It's really very fulfilling and it's nice to do, especially when you're a mission-driven organization like we are, that really focus on the poor and the vulnerable. To change that aspect of society is fantastic and it's something that you, know, you kind of live with and, and you feel it in your heart. So have fun, love your work, enjoy it. And probably the last thing I will say with that is to network, you know, mm. don't try to solve it all yourself and don't try to solve it all within healthcare. Look outside of healthcare, have peers within other verticals, really kind of expand your network and use your network to bring things to you and contribute to the network to bring things to others. Yeah. And that networking might be the most fun part, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's fascinating. You know, life's too short. Uh, we, we need to enjoy it. So uh, this was awesome, Craig. You know, when I look at a at the highest quality leaders, I, one of the attributes I see most is 
someone who's able to con- condense complex things into simple approaches. And I, I think you did that so well in this episode. So I want to thank you so much for taking part and thanks everyone for watching and listening. We appreciate you. And uh, if you want to like, and subscribe, be sure to check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast channel. And also if you want to find the rest of the episodes, you can find them at healthcareitdata.com. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Guys.